Hi, and welcome to Serenity Now, a place for entrepreneurs to ask questions, learn, get connected, and be inspired. Join us as we talk about all things business and the search for the ever-elusive Serenity Now in both business and personal life. The questions that we want to talk about today is partnerships. And the challenge that a lot of people are coming across these days is how do they manage a partnership during COVID? Um, maybe they're realizing that the partner that they had in their business isn't ideal, or maybe one of the partners wants to exit. They found another calling and they want to do something different. So um, we have a bunch of bright ladies on the, on the call today, and I wanted to get their perspective. What do you look for? Let's start with the basic question, like what should you really be looking for when you're looking for a partner in your business? Um, I know that for my business, my husband's my, you know, technically, a, a, I'm going to say a little bit more of a silent partner, um, but definitely I would love to have someone who balances out, you know, different gaps of things that I don't love doing and they really love doing. So that's what I'd be looking for. But like, what do you, ladies, what do you guys think? All right. So. It's been a long time since I started my partnership. I think the biggest thing that I that I think is important is that you don't necessarily want to be in partnership with somebody that is identical to you. Because if you have the same set of skills, you're not broadening broadening your your skill set by getting an, a a partner. So, um, so your partner isn't necessarily going to be your best friend, um, and they're not necessarily going to be a carbon copy of you, but they're going to be somebody that has a good set of skills that may overlap, but not be ex- identical to yours, because then you're, each of you are accessing more skills, which is kind of the point of having a partner. So I think that would be probably one of the, the most important things that I've learned uh, uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peggy, what are your thoughts on that? When it comes to partnerships, I always think that you need to be aligned philosophically. It's great to have a friend and know that you get along great and that you might be able to be good business partners, but there's a lot more to it than that. You know, you need to you need to have the same philosophical alignment. When I say that, you seem to ha- you need to have the same thoughts about where your business is going to go, how much effort you're going to put into it, what kind of work habits you each have, how you're going to treat your clients. Um, you know, how, how you're going to treat your staff, you know, do you have the same philosophy in that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to know that at the beginning, and it really warrants a good conversation. You know, there's that other situation where you don't really know a person, but you share a skill set, would you be good partners? How can we know these things? Um, It's worth taking the time to sit down and have that conversation. I was in a partnership for over 20 years, almost 25 years. And truthfully, we never had those conversations. And at first, perhaps we were aligned because we had you know, same, the same goal at the very beginning. But life takes takes you different places and you never know what's going to happen. It might be that your partner uh, hits a point of, of um, comfort with the level of the business and the income made and, and buys a boat. I would rather spend time on the boat or, and, and, you know, it might be that you've taken a different um, path in life and, and you've got two kids in college and you want to grow the business because you want to have a good nest egg and something perhaps to, uh, to, um, have your kids take over later. So, you know, those things differ. So how, how do you, 
deal with it when you get to that place. And that's where your alignment at the very beginning, when you when you have the conversation and you make agreement to things, can really be helpful. And avoid those conversations where you have to give someone a sort of an ultimatum or, or um, you know, get out of a, an, a sticky situation where one person does more of the work and earns more of the income and and has to have that hard conversation with the other person. You know, either pay me more or um, you know, this per- or this partnership is going to split up. So, you know, that that's hard to do. You know, I was in a partnership that perhaps didn't have that kind of alignment and maybe I shouldn't have stayed in it. And and so I speak from experience when I say, have the conversation at the beginning, be aligned philosophically. And if you're not entirely philosophically aligned, then provide yourself with a bit of an out. So you know what that looks like going in. Okay. We have a couple of ladies who want to join in. We're just doing a little bit of a tester um, and I'll, you know, we're talking about partnerships. And so uh, Candice and Peggy just, you know, spoke about what you would be looking for in a business partner. Because um, we're seeing through COVID, there's a lot of changes that are happening. I echo what Peggy was saying in terms of finding someone who's really aligned. And then Candice mentioned making sure that you get someone who, you know, you could also learn from. And so you've got this like growth um, opportunity with whichever partner you choose. Um, so just curious because both of you, uh, two ladies, probably have been in a variety of different partnerships uh, in the past, as well as seen partners thrive or you know maybe not thrive. Um, so I'm going to just pick on Rita first um, and just ask like, what would you suggest someone who's going through either identifying a new partner or you know is this the right partner? Like, what are some of the questions that you would want to make sure that they're asking themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks, Stephanie, for that question. Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I always start with what's the end goals? You know, what are the end goals of what you're trying to achieve? And and then based on your end goals, you marry up partners based on strengths and, uh, and weaknesses. Um, I hate that word, but, you know, basically let's, let's try not to build up a whole team filled with financial, uh, geeks and, and no, no business or relationship know-how. So we need, we need to make sure we marry that up. Um, so, so the, making sure that we have various strengths that we can draw on each other with is one piece. The next piece, but perhaps even more fundamental than, than all of it is, is just getting down to understanding who you are and your values and alignment on that. I was just discussing this yesterday with uh, another CEO and she's got to build a board. A board is kind of like your partners as well. And I Mm -hmm. said, I can't join the board unless I know for a fact that we're all aligned. Are we, are we all here to to change the world? Uh, You know, what's the end goals of changing the world? Uh, And, and the goals for that, that whole committee was let's change the world and feed the world with local good quality food. And, and I said, yeah, I'm aligned with that. We've been working on that. I'm a fourth generation female business owner and it all started with farming. So that, that's totally my essence. It completely fits who I am and where I want to go and, and, and what I truly believe in. Uh, And then we moved on to the other parts of it. Okay. So, Will we have structure? Will we have rules? We, we, we like those things. So in the end, we have values, we have alignment, we have end goals, and then we also marry up strengths and capacities. Mm-hmm. 
And Kathleen, you're on the legal side of things as well. Like, what are some of the things that people should be thinking about when they engage in a partnership so that they don't have to have a legal battle if it doesn't work out the way they originally thought it would? What are some of the things that people should kind of have a conversation, well, absolutely should have a conversation about um, so that they don't get themselves into a rut later on? Yeah, you certainly want to look at, um, you know, is this partner just a financial partner or um, are they actually going to be involved in running the business with you? And if it's running the business with you, you're going to have a structure in your shareholder agreement that looks maybe a little bit different than if that person was just coming in to lend support financially. Mm -hmm. Um, So you'll look at, you know, are all the shareholders employees of the company? Uh, What are the expectations about salary? How do those decisions get made about who gets paid what? Um, What are, you know, what the expectation if you stopped working in the business? Did you then um, be forced to sell your shares or are you entitled to keep those shares as you go forward? Um, and then you'd also look at the the usual things like what happens, how, how do you get into the business? How do you get out? How do you sell your shares? Um, right. If you're not getting along, what sort of protocols are you going to put in place? Uh, for example, do you want an alternative dispute resolution mechanism built into the agreement? Or do you think you're the sort of people who would just go straight to you know, a shotgun clause, which it you know allows partners to get out in a very definitive way um, mm-hmm. if we're not getting along. Uh, and then also, you know, if I just want to retire and sell my shares and, and uh, you know, what does that look like for my partner who's not ready to leave the business? Um, do they, are they forced to get into business with somebody that I've chosen or do they have any control over that? So we would look at all that. Okay. Um, we're going to make the death of another is big too. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And and it's really interesting because there's so many different things that we're seeing COVID is, you know, in terms of breakups of partnerships, it's like for a variety of different reasons, right? Um, stress and anxiety and like there's all that. So one of the questions that I have is when you know they're not the right partner, because what, what Peggy just mentioned triggered me a little bit. It's like, if you know they're not the right partner, at what point do you trigger a conversation about that? And what do you say? What do you not say? Are there things that, you know, seem to work better? I know every partner is going to be different, but what would your recommend? I mean, Peggy, you were in a, in a, in a partnership that you felt lasted 25 years, but maybe shouldn't have. Looking back now, what would you say to that? Well, I think, you know, part of the reason that you stay in relationships with like that is because they are somewhat successful. And there were definitely um, there were definitely pluses in having a partner. There was always um, it, it was it's it's kind of a cushion. It's kind of like a backup plan if you can't handle it. There's someone else there to handle it. It's it's hard, uh, especially when I was you know a single mom with two little kids to think of doing that on my own with no backup as well. So I was a little bit bound to the relationship because of the comfort it gave me. But also I realized as my kids grew and as he grew in a different direction, maybe it was okay for a while, that relationship, but it definitely grew apart. And I became stronger and more confident in what I was doing in the business. And so I was able to then take the stance and say, you know what, 
I see where it's gone and, and I'm comfortable at this point getting out of it. So it's really, it's a timing thing. There is no perfect thing to say. Um, this fellow that I was dealing with was a little bit volatile. So I, I kind of had to come across fairly strong in the conversation. I would like to think that, you know, you don't always have to be like that, but it was probably one of the harder conversations I've had in my life because you're married to your partner. You're with them as many hours a day as you are with your husband. And Mm -hmm. He was a friend of my husband and myself before we got into business together and still remains a friend. And you want to be able to keep that friendship. It was rocky for a bit because I think, you know, egos are huge. I don't care. Everybody has them, women, men, all of us. And and if for your partner to say that to you, there is a little bit of a crushing of your ego. But the reality spoke for itself. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, you have to find a way that works with the partner that you have. You should know them by then. They're your partner. And um, what would work and what wasn't, what wouldn't work. But don't expect it not to be rocky. It's going to be rocky. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, on the accounting side of things, when things are not going well yeah. and you're like, hey, you know, we hit something where there's a big downturn and now people have to be throwing more money at it or putting more, you know, effort towards and, and now the the dividends don't look like what they used to look like and, and all these other stuff. Kenneth, what would you say to um, the way that, you know, or that people who are looking at partnerships, what are some of the things that they should really be aware of? Like, I find sometimes like, oh, you're good at this. Oh, I'm good at this. We'll just put it together and be like, you'll do the marketing, I'll do sales and we're a rock star team. And then they don't think about the finance part and they don't think about the financial commitment that's required on it. What are some of the things that either you've, you know, you've experienced or you've seen um, with clients that you feel should be covered um, when and expectations that should be set when it comes to finance of a partnership? So I think I'm going to take a little broader and this this probably applies to most businesses. I find that businesses like people that are in business, they either understand the importance of good financial information or they see it as a as a necessary evil cost, what have you. And I think that the people that <laughs> realize the value of accounting and what that information can give you usually end up in a better place than the folks that see it as a necessary evil because they delay, they procrastinate, the information isn't good. Mm-hmm. And and in a way, it's it's a it's a form of poor communication. And I can I can say that. Uh, I, I've had similar challenges um, as Peggy and the, um, and I would say the underlying um, theme that I can see to most of the issues that I've had is communication, lack of avoidance, delay, not, uh, you know, um, attending to things head on. So accounting information is a form of communication. And so if the information isn't clear, and you have and and especially if you have a partner that doesn't understand finances. I mean, in my business, all my business partners understand accounting. That's what we do. So I'm lucky in that regards. Mm-hmm. But in a business where that may not be your business, accounting may not be your business, it's a form of communication about how is the business doing? What are we spending money on? What should we not be spending money on? And if the communication is cle- is not clear, then usually arguments and misunderstandings, you know, at you know, add to problems that you're having. So um, Mm -hmm. I would, I would say that it's an important form of communication and then communication is key to any partnership. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, I mean, is, does anybody have a pressing comment that they want to add before we end this recording to, with regards to partnership? Any tips or best practices or? Yeah, sorry, yeah I, I, I think further to that, that finance part, there's, um, you know, one of the things you'd address in the shareholder agreement, but that everyone needs to turn their mind to is um, what happens if the business does need more money? Um, so the cash call scenario, um, you know, typically if you've got the same class of shares, there's going to be some expectation that you're all going to participate somewhat equally in there. But of course, as life goes on, different partners have different levels of financial means and not everyone's going to be able to participate to the same level. So then you need to look at, um, is there, uh, you know, would the company owe interest on any of that additional money that, that the one, the stronger financial partner puts in? Um, or does, would that partner be entitled to additional shares that would then water down the other's um, holdings? So, I, you know, I think that would be something certainly that's important to understand. Mm-hmm. And then just in general, and this isn't a legal comment, um, with partners, you know, you might think that you're all on the same page, mm-hmm. but it takes some time to figure out when, you know, when and if you are. And, you know, for example, in my law partnership, we have every time a new partner comes in, they're on a three-year um, sort of junior partner track where the partnership can be unwound at any time um, simply by one party or the other saying this isn't working out for me. And it's written right into our agreement that you're entitled to receive um, your buy-in back. So you don't get your capital mm-hmm. account or anything like that. Right. You just get the amount that you put in. Mm-hmm. And I and I like that it works for both sides because some junior lawyers might not be not might not be sure what the commitment actually entails. And then yep. as um, the senior partners that are inviting those folks to join us, um, you know, we know them as a junior, but then we might get them at the table as a as a partner and think, oh, th- you know, maybe this person isn't management material or or something like that. So that's not always practical in every business. But building in some sort of honeymoon period um, could work for a lot of people. And, and I do find it creates quite a healthy dialogue in, in our law practice. Yeah, I, I love that. It is it is a little bit of dating before you get married, right? It's, it kind yeah, of is like, totally. so I've got a couple of ladies who want to comment. So uh, we'll go Peggy and then Rita. So Peggy, tell me, what are your thoughts on this? I just want one piece of advice I was given and I didn't take it as well as I should have. And looking back, it's, it's a really great piece of advice. And that's plan your way out when you plan your way in. And you mentioned the romance period. Everybody is so enthusiastic on a new venture. Everybody is, is gung ho. Let's get it done. And, you know, I've, I've been known to even, you know, put money in ahead of other shareholders and then things don't go as planned. And then that other shareholder is like, Ooh, I'm not putting my money in. Right. You know, immediately uh, takes himself off as director of the company and gone. So, you know, you really need to be cautious that that if you if there's expectations that everybody's going to put in money, then then everybody puts in money before you get going. And if there's, you know, that enthusiasm that that basically um, puts rose glasses on on all the things that are going on, you just can't forget that that this is a partnership and that things can go wrong. And that bit of advice, plan your way out when you plan your way in is so valuable. It's it's something that, yeah, plan your way out. 
Rita, tell us. You, you know, Peggy, that was awesome. Plan your way out um, just the same as you're planning your way in. I was, I was going to say uh, something along those lines as well. It's all about the end goals and the exit. So, uh, you know, alignment, accountability, what everyone's roles are. Are you silent? Are you not silent? The cash calls that Kathleen was talking about, uh, some are stronger than others. You know, what are the roles and the duties? And, uh, you know, in, in terms of understanding the finance picture, if a partner steps out, what, does, what are the repercussions if you've got a loan? Uh, established for the business, then, you know, typically a bank will have to get notified or, you know, your institutions have to be advised as soon as that happens. And then they may redo the whole finance picture. Will you qualify again? What does that look and feel like? You know, so all these discussions have to be had uh, in, in advance. And it really does boil down to, you know, putting it all into that shareholder agreement call the lawyer, talk to the lawyer, <laughs> make sure you understand how everybody's coming in, call the accountant, make sure you say hi, make sure they set up the, the structure correctly and, right. and ensure you are able to find your way out or plan your way out for exit, depending on what life may throw at you and or what happens with the business. Uh, I hear you also well about putting your money in first or putting your time in first, Peggy, and and going all in and then <laughs> realizing not everybody's all in <laughs> or somebody goes, right. let me wait. Let me wait. I had even had a partner go, oh, I waited six months. Now I know things are going really well, I'm ready to, to sign in and take half. And I said, no, the time was six months ago. That's when the risk sure. was. So you right. don't get to have the reward now after you feel the risk is mitigated. So spelling it out, shareholder loan agreements, Talk to your advisors, talk to the people that have been uh, gone through this and done this a few different times. Uh, they've got some stories. I'll tell you, we've all got some great stories, but great questions, Stephanie. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like, you know, we're going to probably end the session with this, but sounds like a, key, a few key nuggets that I got out of this conversation is finding a good balance in terms of capabilities and not in any particular order. Um, you know, plan and, and rather make sure that you're working with one who is very values aligned um, and understands kind of what and setting expectations in terms of what they're going to do, what they're going to put in, what you're going to do, what they what you would put in um, and setting all of these, you know, legal and accounting and the structures and having these answers. And what I what I also heard, but we probably wouldn't be able to get to this. So this would be on maybe another episode. But what would you do if you don't know at the start? Because at the very beginning, when you're going into the business, um, you know, that that might happen. And so really keeping that communication going on an annual basis, maybe every six months and be like, this is where we're at. Is this where we should be at? So that it, there's no surprises where someone goes, yeah, I just want to shotgun this and leave and it, and then leave you hanging dry. And so it's really important that that communication is is part of it as well. So I'd like to thank you ladies for your contribution to um, sharing these tidbits. And I think that anyone who is going through or is considering uh, entering into a partnership or exiting a partnership got some really great nuggets from here. And so until the next episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up some good tips and best practices that would benefit your entrepreneurial journey. Remember, none of the content in this podcast should be relied upon as standard legal or business advice. 
always consult a professional for your specific business. You may know someone who could benefit from this podcast. Please share it with your business community and perhaps it can give an entrepreneur you know some serenity now.